I had a solid four years of cutesy dogstagram content uh, because I wasn't trying to grow or anything. I just was making cute content. And then once I started speaking as myself, I realized I was talking about a lot more bigger issues and deeper issues. I used to talk a lot about my mental health, um, not so much anymore. And I realized I needed that more intensity to be able to make it sustainable for me. And suddenly I wasn't taking six or eight week breaks anymore. I was posting every day. I was writing my captions in advance. Suddenly I liked what I was doing. Welcome to the Wear Wag Repeat Podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I am talking to Charlotte Lehman, aka Charlotte with Dogs. She explains how she got started on Instagram with an account for her dog, Starsky. But four years into it, she realized that cute photos and simple captions weren't fueling her fire. She started to post more about her own life, mental health struggles, and her authentic life with adventure dogs. This more in-depth approach got her excited about Instagram again. Charlotte found another sweet spot when Reels came out on Instagram. She's gained about 15,000 new followers thanks to her videos. She explains how they fit into three categories for the most part, entertaining, educational, or narrative style. In addition to all of this, we also discuss how to get paid as a pet influencer and why we deserve a fair wage. One of those reasons is our expertise in digital marketing. That's why it is so important to keep learning and growing your skills. If you're looking to step up your game, I'm hosting a free webinar about Pinterest for pet pros. This webinar is being co-taught by me and Pinterest strategist, Sue Kreitz. I'll teach you how to optimize your account to get traffic from Pinterest to your website. Then Sue will teach us her strategy to convert that traffic into customers. This webinar is designed for women in the pet industry who have something to sell online, like products, services, courses, even affiliate links. Save your spot by going to wherewagrepeat.com slash Pinterest webinar or head over to Instagram and click the link in my bio at wherewagrepeat. Charlotte has been in the dog Instagram space for the past seven years, where she educates, embraces, and celebrates being a pet influencer. With her pups, Starsky, Kiki, and Ginsburg, her account has become a leader in the adventure dog space. She recently left her career as a lawyer to become a full-time pet influencer, which has been keeping her busy. Among many things, she advocates for responsible breeding, paying pet influencers a fair wage, and taking more photos with your dog. She was one of the first to embrace short-form video via Reels and TikTok in the pet space. When she hit viral status with her teaching your dog how to speak with buttons videos, other pet influencers came to her with questions on how they too could beat the algorithm. 
She constructed a formula that focuses on strategy, an element of surprise, and just having some plain fun with your audience. You can catch Charlotte and her pups at their new home in Denver, where they play all day, every day. (laughs) Hi, Charlotte. Hi, Tori. Thanks for having me on. I'm very excited. I'm so excited too, because like we were saying before we hit record, we've known each other on the internet for a long time, but haven't really been able to talk. So I'm excited to learn all about all you do. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, of course. So why don't you, I I guess if you could start by telling us um, how you decided to quit being an attorney to become a full-time pet influencer, because that seems like such a 180. So was there kind of, you know, something that happened that inspired you to make that move? Um, that's such a good question. And I feel like I'm, I went to law school because I didn't really know what else to do, which is a terrible reason to go to law school. Don't do it if you're listening and considering law school. Uh, that's not a reason to go, only if you want to be a lawyer. Um, and then I was I was doing family law and I burned out real fast, especially with the pandemic. Like everything was just hard. Um, and I was only working with domestic violence victims and that was just very exhausting. Um, and I had been doing Instagram for years um, since actually I, I made Starsky's account uh, before two weeks before he even came home. Um, so I had been doing Instagram for years and really loved it. And I was like, I'm done. I, I had some savings and I was like, I, you know, maybe I'll go back to the law in the future, which full disclosure, I am going to start my own firm. Um, so I am going back to the law a little bit, but it's not going to be like a full-time thing the way it was. Um, basically burnout is how I, uh, how I decided to leave the law. Well, I'm not sure if it becoming a self-employed pet influencer, uh, is going to have less burnout. (laughs) (laughs) At least it's dog related burnout. Yeah, I know that's, that's definitely a, a huge emotional toll and, and working with dogs, um, is a lot less intense usually. Yes. <laughs> Um, so your account, you said you started it as Starsky's kind of like puppyhood account, uh, and then, and then grew it with your other dogs and kind of documenting what you were doing with them. But at what point did it kind of transition to be you in it a lot more and kind of using your platform to educate people? Like, when do you feel like you kind of transitioned? So... So I got Starsky, I adopted him when he was like two. And at that point, that was in 2014, the end of 2014, I adopted him. And at that point, everyone was speaking in their dog's perspective, really just cute, fluffy content. No one was talking about like these big issues that they talk about nowadays on Instagram. It's it's kind of been fun to see the evolution of the dog niche uh, in the last eight years, uh, seven years, a lot of years. Um <laughs> Don't do quick math. Um, so I so I had Starsky's account and it was cute, but I was I was taking these breaks because I was getting bored. I was taking like six week long breaks. Um, and then and I I wasn't I was in a photography slump at that point because I tried to do weddings and weddings are not my thing. Um, and so I was in a slump and I didn't uh do much photography. And so I was just, I was getting really bored of my account, just cute cell phone pictures. 
and cute captions from Starsky's perspective. It was just boring. <laughs> There's no other good word for it. And for some people, I get that that's not boring. It's self-care. For me, it was like not sustainable because it was just not entertaining or not engaging enough for me. Um, so I started, then I adopted Kiki, um, who she has now passed away, but I, I adopted Kiki and I, I had started getting a little more real with Starsky, just Starsky. But once I adopted Kiki, I was like getting confused by speaking as the dog's perspective and then switching between the two of them. I was like, okay, this is confusing me. And if it's confusing me, it's definitely confusing my audience. And it was just too hard to keep track of. So that was, I adopted her in, I think, 20, 2018. Um, so I had a solid four years of cutesy dogstagram content uh, because I wasn't trying to grow or anything. I just was making cute content. And then once I started speaking as myself, I realized I was talking about a lot more bigger issues and deeper issues. I used to talk a lot about my mental health, um, not so much anymore, but I, I, and I realized I needed that um, more intensity to be able to make it sustainable for me. And suddenly I wasn't taking six or eight week breaks anymore. I was posting every day. I was writing my captions in advance. Suddenly I liked what I was doing. And I, I liked talking more about myself. Maybe that makes me self-absorbed, but <laughs> it was uh, it was much more sustainable to make it about my life with my dogs. And it happened sort of suddenly and sort of gradually at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Well, I think it, it's easy to describe things in hindsight. You know, you could say like, oh, I realized one day I wasn't having fun. And then, <laughs> you know, I changed my strategy and all of a sudden I enjoyed it. So it, it's easy in hindsight, but... I think that's something for people to really consider because I hear so many people say, oh, I never know what to write in my caption or like, I'm just so stuck for what to post. Well, maybe you like change up your content strategy, you know, um, post more in-depth stuff maybe. Yeah. And post about stuff you're genuinely interested in. Like, yes, it's a dog account. And so we're all talking about our dog's training and hiking with our dogs and like not necessarily stop posting about that. But, you know, also throw in a bit more of what you're genuinely interested in. You know, we're all talking about our dogs. What makes you special? What makes you different? What makes you you? And I think it's really worth evaluating the themes of what we talk about. And it, I I used to plan out like one day I had like five themes and I would plan out, okay, I'm going to talk about mental health on one day and dog training on one day and hiking on one day. And that kept it interesting enough. And I think that that's worth exploring for everyone's account because it can be so different for everyone. And yeah, it makes it more sustainable. I lost, yeah. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> so no, I'm with you. And it's like, I, um, I, I, so I created like years ago at this point, I created an online course called INSPO, Instagram Strategy for the Pet Obsessed. And that was like the little acronym for it. And um, I was very proud of that. Yeah, that's and, super cute. Um, <laughs> and, and every year I go through that course and I'm like, oh my God, I'm sure I'm going to have to like delete this whole thing and start from scratch. But all the things in it were like such evergreen strategies that they still apply. Like you're talking about having these different themes, you know, back in the day, we used to like five years ago, post 
people were obsessed with posting like in the grid strategy, you know, they'd have like oh a gosh, blue yes. square and a yellow square and a blue square and a yellow square, like whatever it was. Cohesiveness. Everyone talked about being cohesive. Right. But I think like aesthetically, that doesn't really matter in my opinion anymore. And no. especially with reels and all this stuff that's going to mess up your flow. Um, but I still do think that the grid strategy can work when you apply it to the, like, the content, like substance, like the topic of your caption, which is exactly what you were saying too. Yeah, I totally agree. It's just, it, it, it keeps variety. It keeps variety and it keeps variety for you. Um, you know, I, I don't like when Instagram coaches say, you know, your account is for your audience. No, your account is first and foremost for you. And if you're not enjoying it, enjoying it, it's going to be unsustainable. And people are going to be able to tell. Yeah. You're going to be able to tell it's not going to resonate with your audience. You're not going to grow. It has to be sustainable for you. First and foremost, you have to enjoy creating first and foremost. Yeah. Um, so something that, that you mentioned in your bio, um, was constructing a formula that focused on strategy and an element of surprise and also just having fun. Can you talk a little bit about the element of surprise? Ooh, that's a hard one. (laughs) Surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The element of surprise is definitely something that keeps people like watching reels over and over or, or TikToks. I, and surprise can be anything, right? It can be a good punchline. It can be something genuinely surprising. It just something that makes people want to engage with your content in general. Um, and so I downloaded TikTok back in 2019. Um, so before it became big in the pandemic, uh, my my little sister is 14 years younger than me and she was pestering me to get on TikTok and I got on TikTok and I said I don't really get this this doesn't make any sense I'm deleting it I'm too old for this and she was like yeah you kind of are and then I was like wait a minute my 14 year old sister is on TikTok and none of us know how to use it so nobody's watching my 14 year old sister on TikTok um and I was like I have to get back on and keep tabs on her Um, so that's how I got on TikTok. And then I started having some fun with it. So I have spent now almost three years, no, three years. Wow. That is weird to think about three years on TikTok. Um, you know, looking at short form video, examining what works. Uh, and then I, once Instagram created it, I, I really jumped into reels. A lot of people were very resistant, are still very resistant, even though it's been around for over a year at this point. Um, and I, I agreed it made the app a lot feel a lot more cluttered. I didn't think Instagram really needed it. That said, I was interested in how it was going to play out. And now, a year later, I think reels are an incredibly powerful content form. And so I've just been basically closely examining reels, TikToks, uh, YouTube shorts, seeing what works so I can try and help people replicate the success I've had with reels. You know, I've gained at this point about 15 or 16,000 followers in the last year, um, primarily because of reels and without a big hit to my engagement rate. Sometimes my engagement rate is like 7% higher than like it was before. So it's like a, it, if you do it right, it doesn't have to kill your account at all. Yeah, it's good across the board, it sounds like. Yeah, for sure. So what kind of reels 
do you recommend people try? You know, there's so many different, I think, kind of categories to choose from. There's like the lip syncing, there's the dances, there's the pointing at the screen. Then there's just kind of more like a vlog sort of style, like, you know, a video journal kind of thing. What, what do you think is a good style of reel for people to use? I think, uh, and this just goes with my general content philosophy, whatever's sustainable for you, whatever you enjoy making, and then take the feedback you get from its performance and improve what you enjoy making. Because again, if it's, if, if you don't enjoy the reels you're creating, it's not going to be sustainable. Um, I kind of divide reels into basically like three different, uh, theme, uh, I guess three, I put them into three different boxes. I do entertainment and entertainment doesn't necessarily mean funny. It can be anything that is, you know, drawing people in. So one thing I've seen a lot of success with for a lot of different people is really heartwarming content. Like I rescued this dog. They were in this bad situation that he's safe with me. Um, trend recently, probably shouldn't mention that that's not like evergreen at all, but that, that recent trend, uh, it really popped off. And the reason is because it's really heartwarming. So that's a form of entertainment as well as dogs doing stupid things. Like that's hilarious too. Um, sad things. These are all entertaining in some way. Um, and then I divide them into educational. Um, reels are a great way to do a simplified version of something you're trying to educate on and then directing people to the caption to read more. And of course, if you're educating in a caption, it's not going to be short. So while they're reading the caption, they're watching the reel on loop and you're getting all those views and it's, it's helping out how the reel does in the algorithm. And then this is more of a subcategory, but uh, narrative style reels, which is like the vlog style you were talking about. Usually a lot of voiceover or just a, a recap of an adventure or a day. Um, I, that's kind of a subcategory of entertainment, but also kind of its own. Uh, so I kind of put that as the three, the three types of reels to experiment with and consider what type, when you're, when you're planning a reel, what type of reel is this going to be? What is my goal with this reel? What am I aiming for? Yeah, I think that's good. I think it's always in any kind of content you're creating. It's like, is this, is this educating or is this entertaining? And I think there's a third (laughs) one that I can't remember right now. Um, But there's like three questions to ask yourself, like, and if it doesn't fit into any of those buckets, then it's like, well, you might want to rethink that a little bit. Yeah. What, what's the goal of this content? And if the goal of your content is just, I want to make this, that's cool too. Like it has to be sustainable for you. But you know, when people post something because they think they have to post every day and they're like, I don't know what to post as a caption. So here's a cute picture of my dog. Like you don't have to post. Like if, if you're not feeling posting today, you just don't have to, especially because this is not 2015. We are not on a chronological timeline. You do not have to post every day. You know, the shelf life for a post is about three days. So, you know, you really don't have to post more often than every three days if you don't want to. Yeah. And especially real sometimes will hit it big like a month later. Yeah. Yeah. The reels shelf life. That's why I'm like, get on reels because it, it can do amazing things for your account. They're fun to make, but also the shelf life is so long and it's kind of nice to have a piece of content that you worked really hard on, like do well for so long as opposed to actually last. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
What would happen if you could get five times, 10 times, even 25 times the number of visitors to your website each month? Would you have higher sales, new opportunities, or be able to grow your team of pet lovers? The possibilities are endless. Join me for a free Pet Pro webinar all about using Pinterest to grow your business online. I'll teach you how to optimize your account to get more website traffic. Then, my co-host, Pinterest strategist Sue Kreitz, will teach us all how to convert that traffic into customers. The webinar is coming up soon, so go to wherewagrepeat.com slash Pinterest webinar to save your spot. It's an hour you don't want to miss. Um, well, this is so interesting. I love talking about all of this, but I want to kind of shift gears a little bit um, and talk about getting paid as a pet <laughs> One influencer. of my favorite topics. <laughs> <laughs> I could go I wish on I had, for days. <laughs> I wish I had some sound effects right now. I feel like I need that like, bing, 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 bing. I'm going to say, if you watch Girls Gotta Eat, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's talk a little bit about that because this is also one of my favorite topics that I'm very passionate about. And, you know, we've both been working as pet influencers, pet influencers for probably like a similar length of time. So kind of seeing the trajectory of, um, you know, everyone paying you what they have no idea, like what they're getting out of it. And then kind of like the bubble bursting on that. And I think a little bit, um, so what do you, what do you, what, what are your thoughts, I guess, on this? Um, there's a lot of people who, you know, they want to get paid for their work, but a lot of brands today now in 2021 are only offering you like free stuff or to be an affiliate or something like that, not necessarily offering to pay you for your time. So what are your feelings on that? And like, what would your advice be to somebody if, if they're brand new to being a pet influencer and this is what they're faced with? I think it always depends, right? Uh, the best, the best lawyer answer. It depends. Um, so it, it depends on, the brand. It depends on your skills, uh, your portfolio, your yeah, how much time you're going to spend on it, uh, the size of the brand, and what you're willing to work for. You know, if if someone wants to feed my dogs uh, for free, then I'm going to be willing to do some work for product. Or if someone wants to give me a really nice new mattress to replace my $200 mattress, uh, that I will gladly work for, for product. But I think it's just really important to examine, like, what are you getting out of this? And what are they getting out of this? And how much effort are you putting into this? And how much skill do you have? If you're taking professional level photographer, uh, taking professional level photographs, you have a lot of skill and that is worth a lot to brands. And on, at least in the adventure dog niche, people, everyone's taking professional level photographs and they're probably underselling themselves, but, but they're all taking beautiful photos. That's, you know, very valuable to brands and because they're getting a diversity in their models, diversity in the dogs represented, they're getting just a great amount of content from different users and, for, for what? How are they paying you? You deserve to be compensated for that 
financially, you know, exposure doesn't pay the bills. Exposure doesn't really give you anything anymore. In 2015, exposure might have given you followers. It doesn't even give you that anymore, as we were discussing before we recorded. Right. Um, are, are you getting a bandana? Uh, you know, for smaller brands, that's a little different. You know, one-man shops. Uh, if PetSmart, for, say, was going to give me a bandana, uh, no. <laughs> like, right. you have a budget. And more brands have a budget than people realize. Uh, more brands are, there are bigger brands than people realize. You know, there are companies that are technically small businesses, but are they small or are they a big small business? And so it's worth examining all that. It's worth examining how they are going to use your content. You know, are they going to use your content for commercial purposes? Well, yes, they are. Um, okay, so how long do they get to use that content? Are you allowed to work with a similar brand? Anyway, I'm, I digress. There are all these different factors to consider that people really need to do their research on because you can't pay your rent in dog food. You can't pay your rent in dog bandanas. You can't pay your rent in exposure for sure. Right. Yeah. And I think it, it really, I think this is kind of like a buzz, a buzzed about kind of topic in other fields, which is getting paid a fair living wage. And I think it's part of like the great, um, what, what are people calling it now? The, like everyone's quitting. Oh yeah. Cause you know, that's what happened to me too, because the pandemic, I'm just no longer willing to do stuff I hate. Yeah. And people don't want to put themselves at risk and do things they don't like for a paycheck that's not worth it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And ultimately that comes down to you as a pet influencer too, because every time you leave the house with your dog, you are putting yourself at risk. You know, anything could happen. Um, especially if you're out doing adventure photos, you know, there's an element of danger. Um, and you know, you've invested in expensive equipment, you've invested in training your dog to do these poses and all these kind of things. So like, there's a lot that we've invested in, um, in being pet influencers that you really do. We, we do deserve to be paid a fair wage. And, um, you know, I can't help but like rant for a second Go because <laughs> I see, I, I, I was approached by an unnamed brand. I won't mention, um, to do something for them. And, you know, I was like, Oh, great. Like, here's my rates. And they were, they said, Oh, I'm so, we have no budget. Meanwhile, my feed on every social network is inundated with ads for them. Yes. So Ugh, they obviously nuts. <laughs> do have a budget to pay Facebook, but they don't have a budget to pay me. And that's really insulting. Yes. That, that drives me insane. That really is frustrating to me. If you are paying boosted ads to Mark Zuckerberg, you can pay a small creator and you're just trying to get free work because that's easier for you. And you're not going to see as much return out of paying Zuckerberg as you are out of paying me. I have, you know, relationships with my platform. I, I have a real platform. I'm spending real time. I'm creating real content for you. That's really valuable. And then if you pay me more real content that you can now use in Facebook ads. So it does double duty. Um, that drives me nuts. I'm like, don't tell me you have no budget when I see your ads. Don't tell yeah. me that. <laughs> I know it's hard not to say anything, but it is always best to just um, politely decline. So I tend to get a little sassy with brands <laughs> on occasion because 
I'm like, I want to teach you a lesson. And it's not always the best idea, although I haven't had it backfire terribly yet. It depends on the mood I'm in. But I, uh, I've i started saying, you know, unfortunately, at this time, I'm not able to do free work to help you make money because I feel like that's towing the line of polite and sassy, but also like drives home the point. You need to treat me respectfully and you're not. No, I think that's actually a really great kind of like boilerplate response because whatever it is that you're doing for them, their goal is to get sales out of it. Um, new customers or sales that they are going to use your content to make money in some way. Yeah. So why should I not get paid if you're making money with my photography, with my time? And that's something I think people underestimate. Like how much time is it taking? How much time did it take you to learn how to do all this stuff? Then how much time does it take you to drive to the trailhead? Then how much time does it take you to do the hike? And how much time does it take you to photograph the product on the hike? How much time does it take you to drive home? How much time does it take you to edit? This takes so much time. It's a real job. You're spending real time. You deserve to be compensated with real money. Yeah, exactly. Well, and then all the follow-up, all the emails back and forth, if they need edits, um, all of that kind of stuff. If um, you know, you're replying to the comments when the post is actually published, there's a lot. There's so much that goes into it that people underestimate and 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 just aren't aware of because while I'm on Instagram anyway, I'm not like keeping track of how much time I'm spending on this particular post, which fair. I don't keep, you know, I don't set a timer when I start engaging. Um but you are spending a lot of time. I recently did a really big campaign and like I was responding to every single comment on that post to try and make it successful. And I probably spent like two hours responding to comments. Like, is it worth it? Yes. I'm getting paid for it, but it's a lot of time. And mm-hmm. that, that time on Instagram counts too, even though it doesn't seem so specialized, it still counts. It's still time. Yeah, it is. Um, I want to ask you, do you usually pitch to brands or how are you usually finding your partnerships? So I'm really picky um, and it depends on my own like mental state. Like when I'm feeling more burned out, I'm not emailing brands. Um, So I will, I keep like a running list of all the brands I use in my home um, and I screenshot, I learned this from working dog mama. Uh, She is such a good follow. Uh, She's going to be on the show soon. Oh, good. I'm so (laughs) glad to hear that. She's Brittany is great. We uh, vent about brands all the time. (laughs) She has taught me so much. We have, she's great. Yes. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, So she suggested uh, screenshotting your targeted ads for brands to pitch because they're clearly targeting you for a reason. You have the right audience for them. Um, So I do that as well to get ideas and then when I'm feeling up to it, I send out, you know, like 10 brand pitches, which is really not enough. Uh, there's one full-time influencer I know. She said when she was starting out, she sent 60, 60 pitches a week. I'm like, I don't even know 60 brands to <laughs> pitch. I know. Um, you'd be scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah. Soon. Yeah. Uh, so I, I send out, you know, a fair number of pitches. Um, and there are certain keywords I like to include, like if you have a budget, um, or mutually beneficial partnership. Um, And I like to link to all my platforms right right within my email signature so they can just go and see, like, clearly this girl's not working for exposure. Um, I like to make it easy for them to see that. So, yeah, I lost my train of thought again. That's okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. Those are are awesome (laughs) tips. You've shared so much with us just from 
you know, having a good strategy, having kind of like your, your topics that you focus on reels ideas, getting paid ideas. Like you've shared so much with us today. Um, so if you don't mind, Charlotte, tell everyone where they can find you online and see all the amazing work that you're doing. Oh, thank you. Uh, so I'm basically everywhere at Charlotte with dogs, except for Twitter. My Twitter is really for reposting political, uh, <laughs> political and lawyer uh, humor. So it's not that exciting, but and has a different name. But Charlotte with dogs on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and I think that's it. There might be a few more. Um, have a website too, charlottewithdogs.com. Um, that's where they can find me. I have a few courses as well. Um, I have, a, I kind of boiled down real strategy uh, to like 12 key strategies to, you know, help you go viral and get more views and get more engaged views. So I have a course on that. And um, I offer a membership as well after seeing you and a few other influencers uh, do coaching, coaching influencers uh, do a membership. I was like, this seems like a fun idea. So I have a reels-based membership for like more ongoing support as well. Ooh, that sounds super fun. It's a lot of fun. We have fun in it. Um, and people have been uh pretty pleased with how uh their results from it. So yeah. not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> is I get your membership, good <laughs> can you sign up whenever you want or is it only open certain times? Um, so I just changed that. I was only open certain times. Now you can sign up whenever you want, but I'm only launching it like four times a year. Mm -hmm. um, so if you're interested in that, send me a DM and I'll get you hooked up. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing so many wise pieces of advice with our audience today. Um, and I can't wait to talk to you soon. Thank you so much for having me on. This was great, Tori. Yeah, my pleasure. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at teamistic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or Join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wearwagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.